Acts 19 is our foundation scripture for this series. We're on week number three of a four-week series on the Holy Spirit. This week, we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts, the spiritual gifts, understanding spiritual gifts. Let me read Acts chapter 19, verses 1 and 2. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. So, obviously, they went two different directions. Paul found some disciples in Ephesus, and he asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Isn't that interesting? He identified them as believers, but then he asked them this question, so it must have been important. They answered, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And so from this one scripture comes this series of messages, and our purpose as a church is to do uh, a series of messages every year to talk about the person, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, because we are a Spirit-filled church, and we believe in the third person of the Trinity, right? The Holy Spirit. We've heard about the Holy Spirit, and we want to teach others about the Holy Spirit. There's a, there's a large part of the body of Christ today, maybe they're not here this morning, but they're here, maybe they're watching on the, the video recording afterwards, that they, they don't even know whether there is a Holy Spirit. They've heard of the Father, they've heard of the Son, they've received Jesus as their Lord and their fo Christ followers, but they don't know that much about the Holy Spirit. And so it, it does us good from time to time to go back over these fundamental, foundational truths about who the Holy Spirit is, uh, how he came into the earth, and why he's here. What, what do we know about the Holy Spirit? The first week we talked about the word Holy Spirit. Or in the King James it, it translates Holy Ghost. And really we found out that ghost was an old English term and that kind of scares people away. You know, if, you've, if somebody's ever asked you, would you like to uh, have an encounter with the Holy Ghost? Maybe, maybe you're like, nah, I, I've got all the ghosts that I need. <laughs> really better translated, it's, it's, he's, he's a breath of, of God. He is the breath of God. He's like a breath of fresh air. We need that breath of fresh air, right? We need the breath of God, the breath of fresh air in our lives so that, so that we can go through life with purpose and with a plan. Last week we talked about Pentecost because uh, that word comes up a lot as it's associated with the Holy Spirit. Pentecost, what is Pentecost? The word Pentecost actually means 50. 50. Five to the power of ten. Pentecost. Costa, Costa. So it's Pentecost. And there's nothing to be scared of the, the, the number 50. Pentecost. There's nothing to draw back from. The word Pentecost, actually in the way that we use it, is we're identifying the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I didn't grow up Pentecostal, but <clears throat> um, my father... Uh, one day, this was back in 1985, 84 or so, my dad, he didn't have very much to say to me when I told him that I was going off for Bible school halfway around the country. I was leaving Georgia going to 
Oklahoma. We'd never lived anywhere else. I mean, I'm Georgia born, raised, and bred. And uh, so I told my dad I'm going to Oklahoma. I knew nobody, nobody in Oklahoma. And he said, let me ask you a question. I heard from your Aunt Vina, or uh, Aunt, uh, no, it was um, Vanita, Aunt Vanita, not Nita. We called her Nita, Aunt Vanita. And I thought, now, did you call Aunt Vanita or did she call you? What, what's the deal here? But your Aunt Vina said that you're going to a school that's Pentecostal. Tell me a little bit about that. My dad is asking me about the Bible school that I'm going to. He didn't know anything. He, he didn't go to church. But he's asking me about this school that I'm going to. And he says it's Pentecostal. And, uh, you know, I was raised in a denominational church that was far from Pentecostal. And so his question to me, this is interesting though, and I remember this very vividly. He said, is this part of a cult? Is this part of a cult? So he knew that Pentecostal was extreme. That was, he identified that in his mind and my aunt helped him to identify the Pentecostals as extreme and he got up enough nerve to ask me some questions about being Pentecostal and wanted to know if that was a cult. But Pentecostal was not a cult. It points back to a day which we identify in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 when the day of Pentecost had fully come, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church. And so we're talking about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about His gifts. It's not about a day and it's not about this word ghost, we're talking about God's spiritual gifts. James chapter 1 and verse 17, there in your notes, we're going to read it together. Look at, the, the, look, at, look at God and how good he is. James 1 17 says, every good and every perfect what? Gift. Every good and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God gives good gifts. And one of his good gifts is the Holy Spirit. But we're going to see some other spiritual gifts that, that, that God gives through the Holy Spirit today. And I just want you to, to realize that God is the giver. He gives gifts. It's this, these gifts that you receive from him are not manufactured, are, are made by you. This is not a gift that you make and you give to God. This is a gift that is God has created and he gives to you. Every gift given by God through the Holy Spirit is given from him to you. He is the creator and the giver of gifts. Why am I saying this very plain? Why am I going over this part that God is the gift giver and you're the gift receiver? Because there are a lot of people in the body of Christ that they receive a gift from God and then they claim that that's their gift as if they're the ones that own it, that developed it, that made it, that manufactured, and now they have to advertise it. As this is my gift. 
This is my gift. I have this gift. But where did it come from? It came from the giver of gifts, the father of lights, in whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. He gave the gift to us. It's a perfect gift. It's a good gift. Every gift that God gives is good and it's perfect, right? We didn't create it. He gave it. And he knows what he's doing. So this first gift there on your notes and the first blank is eternal life. The first gift that God gives us is eternal life. Eternal life, salvation. Eternal life is salvation. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the number one gift. This is the greatest gift that God could give to mankind because as, as we've heard and as we know that Adam was the one who led us into sin. Through Adam's disobedience in the garden, he led us into a, a life of sin as humans on this earth. God was the only one that could redeem mankind from himself, from death, from a sinful state. And so he sent Jesus, God's eternal gift of salvation, through the life, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And that's how we experience this gift of salvation. It is the greatest gift. And without this gift, life just doesn't make sense. Without the gift of salvation, without the eternal life that we have through Christ. Ephesians 2 and verse 8 says, For it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. And this is not from ourselves. Again, pointing to the fact that we could not generate enough grace. We could not generate enough faith to produce the gift of God. It's the gift of God. Now, if you take this scripture apart, you see that there's grace, there's faith, and there's eternal life, right? Eternal life comes to us by his grace and through our faith. The grace and the faith both come from God as well as the eternal life comes from God, right? We are only the recipients using the grace and the faith that God has given us. Do you see that? It is not our faith we didn't manufacture the faith. We didn't manufacture this grace. We can't be good enough, right? We say that a lot, but think about there was nothing that you could do to gain it, so there surely is nothing you can do to keep it. There's people that when, when, when they become saved and they receive eternal life by uh, believing in the heart, confessing with their mouth, they're using their faith in God's grace and they receive that gift, they're taught out of fear, oh, you better watch out because you never know, you never know if maybe you're not going to make heaven. It's wrong teaching. God gives grace gifts to us, not based on our merit, right? They're based on his grace and he's not in the business of taking those gifts away. And he doesn't judge you like you judge other people. And, well, I don't think that they're worthy of it. Or I can't see that they're, 
you know, Jesus talked about this. He said, you know, let the tares and the wheat grow up together. The sheep and the goat are together. Nobody knows. We're not smart enough. God is the only one that's able to separate the wheat and the tares, the sheep and the goat, right? But he, he gives good gifts. He gives gifts of grace that we receive by faith. And the first one being salvation. The second one, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, beginning in verse 4 and verse 5. Jesus said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father. Or wait for the gift my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now these are the words from the head of the church. That as he's leaving, and he talked to them about this and told them and taught them about, I will send to you another comforter. Another one who comes alongside of you to help you, a counselor, an advocate, a standby, a strengthener, a helper, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, to come and to be with you and walk with you like I have these three years. And this, the gift of the Holy Spirit is a grace gift. There was nothing that the disciples could do to earn the gift of the Holy Spirit. He told them to go and to wait that they would receive the power of the Holy Spirit, right? But he didn't tell, he didn't tell them that they had to work for it. He didn't, he didn't tell them, now, when you get to the upper room and you pray, you've got to pray 10 days, and then you're going to have a, a test over the Old Testament. If you pass that test... Then you're going to be endued with power. From my, no, 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 no. It was just simple instructions. You go, you wait, and you will be endued with power from on high. Now, he gave the Holy Spirit to the church for empowerment to fulfill the assignment. That is the bottom line, guys. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit to fulfill our assignment as the church. The reason that we're still here on this earth is because we need his power. The word charismatic comes into play. Charismatic. It's the Greek word, Greek word charis. Charis actually means gift of grace. It is a divine enablement. This word charisma. Charismatic. 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 Uh, was in the past labeled as this movement that people that believed in the gifts of the Holy Spirit were labeled charismatics. Some of you maybe not even aware of the term charismatic, but there's a number of us that have been through this long enough that people will say, "Do you what kind of a church do you go to?" Well, we go to a wow church. Oh, you must go to a charismatic church. Well, that's just a label that people put on you to try to identify you. See, charismatic, the word charismatic just means a grace gift. It is a gift given by God to us by his grace. It means we could not do anything to earn it, but he gave it to us for our benefit, right? So there's been much confusion over the years. 
much confusion due to wrong teaching. And part of the wrong teaching is this word. You may want to write it down. Cessationism. 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 C-E-S-S-A-T-I-O-N-I-S-M. Cessationism. Where the, the, the teaching uh, is, is actually from a point of theological view that when the last apostle died on the earth, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit ceased to manifest or operate. And so people have been trying to prove this for years and years and years. But the theory of secessionism can be unproven or disproven by the fact that there have been many miracles that have happened since the last <laughs> apostle or disciple have, ha, has died on the earth, right? So if there was just one miracle that happened after this supposed secession, then it's not true. There's another the- theological point of view. is continuationist. Continuationism. I'm a continuationist. I believe that all the gifts of God are for the whole church today and in order for us to fulfill the assignment to preach the gospel, make disciples. Right? Just a little bit of background so that you understand where we're coming from. These things need to be talked about. Right? There's a whole generation of of folks that don't, have never even heard this. Have you ever, I want to just see a a show of hands, have you ever heard this before, what I'm saying this today? If, If you, have you heard it before? Okay, those who have never heard this before, raise your hands. You don't have to, okay, there's a, there's a good number of people that have never heard this before. So there's much controversy, much divisiveness in the body of Christ over the gifts. Now, many people in the body of Christ don't have a problem with most of the gifts of the Spirit. But there's one gift that most, the people in the body of Christ that have a problem with, and that gift is tongues. The gift of speaking with other Tongues is the one that has, has done, more, and done more division than anything else. And isn't it ironic that the manifestation that displayed on the streets of Jerusalem that was a uh, characteristic of the unity that the church was experiencing at that time has become a divisive tool of the enemy? Isn't that interesting? But I want you to know that nothing... No gift that comes from God for us should ever be treated like some repulsive experience. If God has a gift for you, it's good. Every gift that God has for you is good. And it's for your benefit. But at the same time, we shouldn't be focused on one gift. We shouldn't be focused on one gift. Paul did not meet those guys in Ephesus and say... Uh, let me hear you speak in tongues. <laughs> he, didn't say, he didn't say, did you receive the gift of tongues? No. He said, have, have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit since you believed? Why? Because the gift of the Holy Spirit is a gift of power. It's power. It's enablement. It's, it's empowerment so that I can go and do what God's called me to do. Right? As a believer, not as a a minister. Listen, back in the book of Acts, there was no difference between those who were leading the body of Christ and those who were a part of the body of Christ. They were all empowered 
to do their job that God had given them to do. It's only through time that we've, we've divided this, this huge group of people that said, okay, we're the ministers, we're the clergy. That word clergy is not even in the Bible, guys. And everybody else is laymen. You know, and that word, you know, they just lay there. But <laughs> there was no, there's no division. There's no division. We are a royal priesthood of believers that are called by Christ to go and do the works of Christ. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. Right? This empowerment is for all of us. And every gift that God has for us is good. But listen, there's about 24 different gifts that come, at, that we can identify in the New Testament. Okay? There's been some discussion over some gifts that we see in the Old Testament and New Testament. And listen, arguing over one or two gifts does, uh, doesn't do anything but cause more division. But I'm telling you that there are over 24 gifts that come through God for the, gift, for, for the purpose of serving and blessing the body of Christ and preaching the gospel, making disciples. And I'm going to give you a list of, of three places that you, or four places that you find them. Romans 12. You can study these this week. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. I'm going to list off those names. I don't, I don't have time to go into each one of these. But I'm going to list off the names. Prophecy. Service, teaching, encouragement or exhortation, giving, leadership, and mercy, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues, apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, hospitality, Preaching and service. There's so many more gifts than just the nine gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you look in 1 Corinthians 12 and go down to verse 28, there's, there's, there's more listed there in 1 Corinthians 12 than just those nine. But those nine gifts seem to be the divisive thing. You know, the charismatic gifts. Listen, the Holy Spirit wants to give you more than just those nine gifts. I hope you can see that. Take that away with you today. That God is so big, he wants to equip you to do everything that he's called you to do. And what he's called you to do and the assignment that he's given you, he's well able to equip you and empower you with everything that you need. And the things that God gives you are supernatural in the sense that 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 they are greater than your natural ability. You know it's God when, uh, in, what is it, 2018? I'm in 2018? I'm in 2018. I was born in 1963. Guys, when I use the word bashful, I am describing how I was when, when, when I was a young kid. I, five years old, six years old. Listen, and nothing tragic happened to me. My parents were married all the way up till I was in high school. But as a kid, my personality, I'm bashful. I could go sit in that corner over there and just be totally fine. 
not talking, just sitting. But the gift of the pastor has overtaken me to where I'm standing up here. And even in my mind as I'm telling you this, I'm thinking, what in the world are you, what are you doing here? <laughs> because this is a gift that overtakes my natural ability. When God gives you a gift, you're responsible to use it and to, to increase it and develop it. And as you do, he will increase it and he will develop it. And it will be a blessing to other people. Now, I could just choose to be bashful. I could choose to use that as a crutch, and that's just my personality, and I'll just, I'll just sit down and let somebody else do this, but I would be disobedient to God. And I would be using my personality as a crutch. Right? But I'll just tell you, Pastor Sheila and I have been, we've been in a ministry, and, and I'm ab- absolutely not saying this to pat myself on the back or toot my own horn or anything, but we've been in ministry for 31 years. And through the years, we have asked people that are older than us and been in ministry a lot longer than us, do you see the gift of pastor in us? Because we submit ourselves to older people, guys. And this is a part of being humble, being teachable, and learning how to move with the gifts that God has given you. And all of the people that we have submitted ourselves to all of these years say unequivocally, yes, we see the gift of pastor in you too. Right? But part two of that is we have to develop it. Just because God gives you a gift doesn't mean that you're going to stand up tomorrow and start exercising that gift. Right? Right. (laughs) So you have to develop it. You have to be patient. The things that God... And this is why some people, they start out, they'll, they'll see something that God called them to do. They start out doing it and then boom. They, they're met with uh, an obstacle or a challenge, and then they give up. They're like, I guess God didn't call me to do that, or I guess God hasn't gifted me to do that. But listen, with any gift that's a spiritual gift that God gives you, there's going to be opposition. There's always going to be opposition. Jesus faced opposition the whole time he was here on the earth, right? And so, spiritual gifts, that's the next blank there. Spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. Which means there are some people that are ignorant about spiritual gifts. And the the only way to become unignorant is to be taught. You have to learn what you don't know. And so when you become born again and you give your life to Christ and you begin to follow Jesus, you know nothing. You know nothing. And the worst thing that we could do as Christians is expect new Christians to know everything. They're not going to know anything. That's why they have to be taught. That's why the, 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 the process of mentoring actually came from Jesus. And, or we see it way back in the Old Testament. But it was displayed for us as born-again believers, Christ followers, in the life of Jesus. How to call those alongside so that we can bring them up and teach them about spiritual things. The Lord wants us to learn more about spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7 in the New Living Translation says this. A spiritual gift is given to each one of us so that we can help each other. Underline that. So that we can help each other. And then look at your neighbor and say, I want to help you. <laughs> look at your other neighbor and say, I'm here to help you. <laughs> 
And people, mis- people mistake this and misinterpret this. They think, they think that the spiritual gifts that God has given them are for them. This spiritual gift is for me. That's why there's a, a, a lot of confusion. They point to the gift of, of praying with other tongues or, or, or speaking with other tongues. And, and over in Jude, it says you're building yourself up. But listen, even as you're praying in the Spirit, you're praying for someone else. Right? The gifts that God gives you are for other people. They're supposed to flow through you, not stop with you. The fact that I'm blessed makes me a blessing. God blesses me to send me out so that I can be a blessing. So it's our job to minister to others through the gift. And in doing so, we're fulfilling our assignment. We develop and we mature in the development of the gifts. And as we do, he rewards us. I haven't really taught about this very much, but if you're faithful to develop the gift, God will increase you. Think about the parable of the talents. God not only wants to reward you in heaven when, when all of this is done on earth, but he also wants to reward you down on the earth. And so, as we develop and as we submit our gift to the Lord and we submit our gift to one another and we're diligent and faithful and responsible to develop those gifts, God increases. He increases the impact that we have on people. He increases the abilities supernaturally. You know, there's, there's natural gifts in this list of 24-plus of gifts that we've, we've read. There's, there's some natural, seemingly natural gifts, but there's also some spiritual gifts we have to develop both sides of it, the natural and the supernatural, by submitting them to God, by asking God. Um, and we have a, a part in our growth track. Our first, the first step of our growth track is next steps. What is your next step? Your next step is to become a member of Lifeway Church. If you're a member of Lifeway Church, we, we're, we are having a, a growth track for you, a program so that you can discover your gifts. That's step number two, plugging in, plugging in. In that plugging in process, we, we do a personality uh, uh, profile. We ask you some questions. And, you know, personality is, is very interesting. If you don't know a lot about your own personality, you could be working against yourself and not even know it. Right? Absolutely. There's, there's a lot of validity about personality. And relationships that you have, they have different personalities. You can't expect them to be like you because they're different in their personality, right? So there's a lot of value in discovering uh, the personality type that you have, but also the spiritual gifts. The assessment that we give is just asking you some questions about maybe some, some uh, how do you say, some desires of your heart. Like if you walked in a room, interest interest, the interest you have in your heart. Let's say you walked in a room and everybody's talking and there's four, there's five, six couples of groups talking and talking and there's one person sitting way over here by themselves. And just in your heart, you see them and they're by themselves and you walk over there and you begin to talk. Maybe you have a gift of mercy. God's given you a gift of mercy because you see someone alone and you're drawn to that person. But if you never know that, then, then you can never develop that and, 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 and increase in that. 
So it's important that we discover. That's number one here in this, these blanks. Discover the gifts that God has for me. Discover. Romans 12, 6 says we have different gifts. Isn't that great that we don't have to compare our gifts? Everybody has different gifts. It's okay to be different. It's okay to be different. We're not all the same. And so we need to understand that comparison kills. But when we appreciate one another's gifts, we value the whole body of Christ and we all go up. We all grow up. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. Psalms 139, verse 13. God created us. God, you created me in my inmost being, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. And I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. All the days ordained before me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I didn't see myself married to this beautiful woman, us being co-pastors in a church in Decula in 2018. I didn't see that, but God saw that for me. And I'm so glad that I have walked in obedience until I'm in this place because I'm, I'm totally fulfilled. I'm not looking to do anything else with my life. I'm looking to develop these gifts that I've discovered that God has given me. I'm developing them so that I can be a bigger blessing. That's all. That is, that is peace and joy. Right? Understanding that God has this gift and discovering that. And listen, I'm talking about myself because I'm familiar with myself. <laughs> I can't talk about you because... I'm not familiar with you, but just describing some of the things that I've dealt with in my life. Uh, number two, blank number two, develop the gifts that God has given me. Develop. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Notice that the word love comes before gifts. You know, in Corinthians it says that if, if I do all this stuff, if I give all my stuff to the poor and I give my body to be burned and, and I have not love, it's all like clanging cymbals and tinkling brass and it's not worth anything because love is the primary thing. It is the motivator behind all the gifts. If we don't have love, then the gifts really don't mean anything. And that's how we develop ourselves. And the, the use of the gifts is through love. Love. Allow love to develop you. Allow God to develop you. First, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 6. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. Every one of us has a gift in us. Multiple gifts. There are gifts in you that you haven't discovered yet. Maybe you have discovered a few of them. That's great, but listen, there's more to developing the ones that you have discovered, and there's more as you develop those to see other gifts that God has given you. But remember, they're spiritual gifts. You have responsibility over those gifts, and there's going to be a day where God asks you, what, what did you do with the gifts that I've given you? So we have accountability and responsibility before God, not before each other, to develop those gifts. Now, we use those gifts in conjunction with each other. That's why it's important for you to be plugged into a local church because discovering those gifts gives you a place to use those gifts. 
And we need the gifts that God has given you so that we can grow, so that we can spread the gospel, so that we can make disciples and fulfill the assignment that God's put on the church. Number three is to use the gifts that God has given me. I forgot to say anything about fanning the flame. I was fanning the flame just a second ago. You've got some gifts. Get off your gifts (laughs) and give them. Give them. Remember, Jesus said, don't despise giving a cup of cold water to one of these. Because in doing so, you have blessed me, right? You've done it unto me. If you've visited someone in in the jail, anybody visited anybody in jail, you've done it unto Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, in the future, he's going to remind you, well done. You visited me in the jail. And you may say, well, I didn't visit you, Jesus. I visited Jimmy Bob Smith. No, you visited me. Right? Don't despise anything that we do motivated by love and motivated by the Lord. Use the gifts that God has given me. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, in the New Living. Use the gift that God has given me. God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. I like that word. Variety. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. Notice it's our responsibility to manage the gifts. Why? So that God's generosity can flow through us. He put something in you to get something through you. Let me just say this as we're ending and preparing for communion. God likes to plant trees. God's into planting trees. He created how trees live and how plants live. And I'm just telling you, don't pick up your roots and transplant yourself. Let your roots go deep. Let your roots go deep into a local church. This is the ministry of the local church. The gifts are given to those who God has called to a local church to minister in that church. But it's also important for those that are leading the church to know those that are working and laboring in the church. There's scripture for that. And that takes T-I-M-E, time. That means that we have to be patient. There are a lot of people that are impatient these days. And something is said or something is done that they don't like and they jump up and they pull themselves out of a church and run and move, transplant themselves to somewhere else. Listen, the local church is not like Sam's and Costco. You know, I have a card for Sam's and I have a card for Costco. I can find some things at Costco get, that I can't find at Sam's. I can find some things at Sam's that I don't find at Costco. And I'm not doing an advertise for, advertisement for either, other, either one of them. Neither one of them are perfect. But I, Christians should not be a Sam's Costco Christian. 
where I go to this church to get this thing and I go over here to get this thing. Right? We, we, we should know those that labor among us. And so you have to grow roots, guys. This is a principle of God. Patience. Anybody ever heard the word patience? Yes. James says, let patience have her perfect work. Right? Um, it's just a principle. The gifts that God gives us will we'll develop and will come forth, but we have to be patient, sink our roots down, and stay somewhere long enough that you can start bearing fruit. Right? Amen. Now, this is, this is good. This is a good part here. I'm just encouraging you. I'm exhorting you. I'm edifying you. And I'm comforting you with these words. When we were over in Italy, I noticed this. I, I, I've used this illustration some. Help me out here. Stay with me just another couple minutes. The Italians value this thing called wine. And they, they've done this for not just hundreds of years, a couple thousand years. Two, zero, 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 right? And so I noticed the culture. This is where we live for eight years plus. And so I'm noticing these older guys, you go to eat, they put a bottle down on the table. There's a label on that bottle, and it has their family name on it. And they said, this is from our vineyard. Outside of the city where they, where they live here, about an hour outside, most people in Italy have a piece of land where they grow two things on this piece of land. Any guess what they are? Olives, olives and grapes. They mash the olives, they have olive oil. They mash the grapes, they have wine. So I'm asking these older ones this question. I wanted to ask these older ones. How long does it take for you to plant a vine to get the grapes to squeeze it down and make wine so that you are proud of this wine? I wanted to find out because the Lord has taken me on this journey of patience for a number of years. And it's so, it's so counter culture to the culture we live in in the United States. Everything is such a rush. It's, styro, it's a styrofoam generation. We throw it away. And, and, and if it doesn't serve us and it's not quick, we don't want it, right? And so we lived in this culture, and I was asking these older guys. So here's the answer. They told me, and this is an average of, of all the guys that I asked, and it was dozens of guys that I asked this question. How long does it take for a vine to grow from just a twig in the in the dirt till you've got a bottle of wine that you're proud of. 25 years. 25 years. Now, why are we so impatient? Don't give up, guys. Don't give up. God's not through with you yet. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. In other words, God doesn't take them back. God gave you gifts, and they come from him. And he's not finished with you yet. You study. The guys are coming back to get ready to play because we're going to sing this, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here, and then we're going to have communion. And then God's going to do, he's, God's going to manifest his gifts. There's gifts of healings that are going to be manifested through communion this morning. But let me, make this, let me make this final point. God's not through with you yet. 
God wants to use you more than you have been used. Look at your neighbor and say, that means you. God wants to use you more than you have been used, but you have need of patience. You need to fan that flame. I'm, I'm fanning these gifts. Get off your gift. Get off your gift. God's given you gifts. Don't hold back. We need you in the body of Christ. We need you. Everybody in the body produces. I mean, you study Ephesians 4. I don't know how many times I've preached on the body of Christ and how we are all brought together. Jesus fits us together so that we can function and flow together. A hand does no good not attached to the arm. I can't take my hand off and put it over there and expect it to do any good. It has to be attached. We need each other. So the gifts, the gifts that my hand does for the rest of my body, if I have an itch down here on my knee, my hand comes in handy. My hand comes in handy to help. It's a gift. It's a gift. Right? And I don't despise my hand. Right? We need you. God needs you. He has gifted you. He's gifted you. So this morning, or actually yesterday, I'm, I'm praying over the communion. And I'm saying, Lord, okay. I know you want to display your gifts. And there are so many gifts, spiritual gifts. And we're not going to get hung up on one gift or the other gift or the other gift. They're all for us. And they're, they all fit in 2018. So I was going over communion. Lord, what are we going to do for communion? 